Hey listeners, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Hitsburg Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Ehlers. Uh, before we dive into everything, just a little about about this podcast. Uh, this is the Hitsburg Podcast. We're going to be discussing, you know, everything Steelers from scores and reactions to keys to victory to hot takes and rumors and so, 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 so much more. Uh, this podcast is going to be cranking out weekly, hopefully. Um, just a little bit about me. Uh, my name's CJ. I am from Parma, Ohio, which is pretty close to Cleveland. So I can never have a logical conversation about the Steelers with absolutely anyone around here because, you know, they're all brown stumpers and, well, we all know how they are. So with that being said, we're going to dive into it, uh, you know. So we're going to talk about the Browns game, just a little recap. Um, that was miserable. That was a miserable offensive performance. But I'm not going to put the blame on Mason Rudolph at all. You know, when you look at it, I watched the game through twice. When you look at it, Mason just didn't have options. James Conner, you know, he's been he's been hit with the injury bug pretty bad this year. But James got taken out really early. I think he was a series or two in and he got taken out. And the running game just hasn't been there. Jay Sam is more of like a... I don't even know what he is. Like, he can run it, yeah, but... They're primarily using him when he's passing or in those weird, like, shovel pass, outside handoff things. That's weird. And then we got Trey Edmonds, whoever that is, and Stony Brooks James. I don't know who half these people are. But, you know, when you look at it, there was no running game, and the running game super important to football. And then the passing game, you know, Juju got taken out pretty early, which, you know, I, I really think that deserves a fine when you look at it. It was blatant helmet to helmet. I think it was by Mac Wilson, who I already don't like, by the way. Really don't like Mac Wilson. But when you look at back at that hit, he was he was it was blatant head to head. I don't know why that he wasn't fined or ejected. It was pretty bad. Then you know you got Deontay Johnson, who got taken out by that really really dirty hit by uh, Demarius Randall, which I just thought that hit was so unnecessary. I don't care if you think he's got the ball or not. You don't lead with your head. That's some Vontez Perfect type stuff. I got all, I thought we got all that cheap stuff outside of the AFC North. And yes, we're going to get into the Miles Garrett incident a little bit later. But when you look at the receivers, James Washington did what he could. But James Washington was the only viable option. I mean, Johnny Holton, I don't know why Randy Feekner is just so obsessed with Johnny Holton. Like when you're going through and you're watching Steelers games... Johnny Holton, who, he's not a terrible receiver, but he's not good. Like, Johnny Holton is getting, like, I think, like, two or three targets a game. And they're in pretty crucial situations. Like, you saw, like, third down and one, they took a shot at the end zone. They were already in field goal range. I think they already scored seven points. It was seven to 14. So, like, they took a shot at the end zone, blatant pass interference. But Johnny Holton caught the football, and then he dropped it. Like, he had the football... And he just dropped it. Like, it was just so just so upsetting to watch. And then they went for it. Just ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. But Johnny Holton, I don't know why he's on the team. Well, I know why he's on the team, but I don't know why he's getting snaps like that. I understand the situation, but still, they should probably try to turn to Vance McDonald, who has been super, super quiet. But, and then, I don't know the guy's name. The guy we brought up from the practice squad after we put Switz on AR, or AR, uh, IR, my bad. But after we put Switz on IR, that guy, I don't know who he is. I think he had, a, like, a catch of, like, 14 yards, but that's 
that's pretty irrelevant. Um, defensively, with the exception of the first series where they got OBJ, you know, OBJ just burnt Steven Nelson, and they got they scored a touchdown. And then the, the I think I don't know if it was the second or third drive that the Browns had, but Jarvis was wide open in the end zone. I mean, I was a lineman and I could have caught that. There was no one around him. But after that, the defense the defense really did well. Like when you look at it, the defense did well. One thing I'm really upset about is that the Steelers have like 34 sacks, like 26 takeaways, and they had one sack the entire game. On, I mean, a Browns offensive line that has no rhythm. Like, it was terrible. Their offensive line is not that good. But T.J. Watt only got one sack, and there were no turnovers to be to be heard of. And it was just... I was like... The, I mean, defense, especially when you're dealing with Mason Rudolph, who, might I add, is not a bad quarterback. He's just in a bad situation. You know, when the defense can't hook up Mason with them short fields, you know, putting them inside the Browns territory or even better defensive touchdown like we've been doing the past couple weeks, you're not going to win football games. For the first time in, like, for the first time since like 2010, the Steelers are having trouble. Like they're having trouble on offense. Like if you would have went up to me last year, before the AB saga, and told me, "Hey, dude, like the Steelers' offense is gonna suck, but their defense is gonna be amazing," I would have laughed at you. I would have. I would have. Like the offense just can't. Like they they can't seem to move the ball. Like. They have games like against the Bengals and the Dolphins where they move the ball, but those are the Bengals and the Dolphins. And like the offense has got to get their get their shit together. I'll be straight up. They they gotta get it together. Because they can't keep doing this this crappy performances week in and week out. But with the exception of that, the defense did pretty well. I mean the last one of the last uh Steelers drives that they had were Mason did the pick to Joe Schobert. I mean, there's nothing you can do. They're going to get points out of that drive. They're, they were inside the five. I mean, I wish that, you know, Mark Barron, who has no place on this defense, might add, get, you know, he's got no place on this defense. You hate to see him get mossed by some irrelevant third-string tight end. But it happens. Oh, well. But besides that, the defense played pretty strong. The defense played, it played pretty strong. But looking ahead... They have the Bengals this week. Then they have the Browns again at Heinz Field. Then they have the Cardinals, and I think they play the, the Bills after that. So they have they have some winnable games. Um, right now they're five and five. So when you look at it, it's not terrible. It's not great. They could have you know been six and four, but it's not it's not a terrible place to be. You could be in a deeper hole. You could be you know four and six or three and seven. Like you could be in a very worse situation. But we're going to go over, you know, looking at the Bengals game. The keys to victory for that game is for the defense to play how they've been playing. With the exception of last week, play like they did against the Rams. Play like they did against the Colts. Play, well, maybe not. Play like play like they're playing the Rams again. Because the Colts' performance was kind of lackluster with the exception of that pick six. They kept scoring. But they shut them down they needed to. But what you got to do if you want to beat the Bengals, they're not a good football team. I feel for the Bengals because... Like, everything's just not going their way. Right now, the Bengals are playing the Raiders. I don't know what the score is. Praying the Bengals win. So the Raiders can get knocked down a little bit. 
So maybe we can have a chance of being in the playoff. Well, have a chance of being in the playoff standings right now. But when you look at it, Steelers defense has got to play Steelers defense. I mean, that's simple. Their offensive line is horrendous. Their offensive line, I think, is worse than the Browns. And who's their... Is it Ryan Finley, their quarterback? So that when, you know, Ryan Finley's under center and they got trash offensive line. Uh, I don't know if John Ross is back or not, but I'm just going to say he's not back. So when you look at it, you're going to have to do with the trash offensive line, Ryan Finley, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, uh, Auden Tate. I think that's the one receiver. I'm not positive. Tyler Eifert and C.J. Uzama and whoever their third tight end is. And then whoever their, like, benches for the receivers. But those are the guys that are going to be out there offense, for the Bengals' offense. So the Steelers' defense, I think they can hold them down. I want a monster game from Devin Bush. I have not heard Devin Bush's name since the Chargers game. I really did not like the pick of Devin Bush at first. I didn't. I thought it was dumb. We gave up a first, and then we gave up a second to move up 10 spots because I really wanted Byron Murphy the cornerback from Washington that the Cardinals took with the 33rd pick I really wanted him that's who I wanted I also wanted Chase Winovich but neither of those happened but when you look at the situation the Bengals are in the defense should have themselves a game Devin Bush needs to have a big game because he was taught there were talks like Going into week six or seven, that Devin Bush can be defensive rookie of the year. I still think he can be defensive rookie of the year because he is playing he's playing well, but he's not playing good. He's playing like a rookie. You can't play like a rookie when you're anchoring a defense. Like he well, maybe not so much now because we got Minka, but he's kind of the guy that's like the quarterback of the field. I think that's kind of going to Minka now, especially the more and more he learns the playbook, but Still, Devin Bush should be a leader on that defense. And Devin needs to play better. Like, he's not playing bad, but he needs to play really good. And I feel like the Bengals game is going to be a great morale boost for the Steelers. Because defensively, I think they're going to tear it up defensively. I don't even think they'll get a touchdown out of this game. Like, defensively, I like where we're at. You know, the Browns are playing the Dolphins. Unless they forget how to play football, the Browns are probably going to win that game. And the Dolphins aren't. I think the Dolphins lost today. I don't know who they played, but I think they lost. Quick water break. But the Dolphins probably going to lose. Um, I don't know who the Ravens play. They won today. But the Steelers need to go in and just kick some butt this game. They need to absolutely demolish the Bengals. Like They need to hang a 50-burger on their head. Just because... This next game after this, the, that Browns game at Heinz Field, is going to be an intense game. I feel like it's going to be a very dirty game. And I really think that. We'll get into that in a second. But back to the Bengals. Can't look past the Bengals. The Steelers have a history of playing down to their competition. We saw, we've seen it numerous times You know, throughout the course of the past couple years. Even this year, I feel like they played down to the Browns. They were playing scared. Because they were in the dog pound. They were playing scared. But they cannot play down. They can't look past the Bengals. They can't be like, oh, we got the Bengals. So what's going to happen is we're going to be the first team the Bengals beat. And then at that point, if we lose to the Bengals, there's no hope. There's no coming back from that. So they have to prepare. And they have to be smart. They're going to get you know some extra time to prepare and nurse them injuries from Thursday night's event against the Browns. 
But offensively, we got to talk about this. Offensively, there has got to be some some changes and additions to the team. I don't know how long Juju and Deontay are going to be out for. I don't know how long James is going to be out for. I don't know how long Benny Snell is going to be out for. Marquise Pouncey suspended for three games. He'll be coming back, I think, the versus, versus the Bills. If we play the Bills... After the Cardinals, he'll be. Pl- I think it's the Bills. If I'm wrong, I'm so sorry. But he'll be coming back in three games, nonetheless. And I think we got the Beej, BJ Finney. Not terrible. He's not great. I mean, he's a solid backup option. But coming in with the Beej. So offensively, I don't know how long is how long Juju's gonna miss. How long Deontay's gonna miss? I mean, if you look at a concussion, it can be anywhere from a week to like six weeks. I mean, Ramon Foster had a concussion and he was out for a couple weeks. That's when we had, um, that's when Beej was playing guard, I think. I don't know how long. I'm trying to think how long. I didn't write it down. I think it was like three to four weeks. But, I mean, if Deontay and Juju are going to miss extended time, it's going to be bad. I mean, we just signed a receiver. I think his name's Deion Kane. We signed him off waivers, I think. He was on the Colts played at Clemson. I mean, he's like in the second year of his contract. I don't know what the deal is with that. But we're working with limited cap space. And that's the big thing to think about here. Because when you look at it, Juju's pro I'm just going to do a worst case scenario because I'm pessimistic. Juju's going to miss a month. Deontay's going to miss a month. Worst case scenario. So if we're looking at that, we got James Washington, Johnny Holton, number 14 from the practice squad, Deion Kane. And I think that's it. That's four receivers. I don't think you can successfully win a football game, especially with how abysmal the run game's been. You can't win a football game with only four receivers. I mean, granted, you got uh, Vance, Nick, uh, Nick Vanette, and Zach Entry, but still, like, you have to have more than four. Like, I think six is a good number, and I think six is about what we had. Because you got Juju, James, Deontay, Johnny Holton, Ryan Switzer, so five. So five to six would probably be a good estimate. So I composed a list of just some free agent receivers. Yes, I did like go in depth with why. Because I feel like if we're gonna win football games, this is what we have to we, we gotta go after something. So I looked and you know, with the injuries to the receiving core, the Steelers have some options. Um you know, just some of the notable names. Eli Rogers, former Steeler. I feel like he'd be welcomed back with open arms. He's a good receiver. I like them. He had a pretty nice game against the Jaguars when he came back from injury. And I think that's really the last I heard his name. I don't think he had any big splash plays last year. But I, could, I think he was on, like, I think he was injured or whatever. But I could be wrong. I mean, we were working with A.B., Juju, and James Washington. And then Vance McDonald had the really good year. So I'm, I'm sure he didn't get much playing time. But Eli Rogers, um, I'm sure he'd be a relatively cheap option because we are working with limited cap space. So these guys will all probably be rentals for the remainder of the season. If they do good, maybe they resign them. But I don't see that happening. But Eli Rogers, I really like Eli. I liked him as a player. I met him once, shook his hand. He was a real nice guy. Eli, I would welcome back Eli. I don't know about you guys. Kelvin Benjamin. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember this guy. Kelvin Benjamin was like this really hype receiver. 
some people said he was like the next Calvin Johnson. The dude was he's a big receiver. This isn't just really big physical receiver. Panthers drafted him. I think he was first round pick. He was really good. Or I shouldn't say really good. He was good. Then he missed like the entire Super Bowl campaign with a bad knee. Then he gained a bunch of weight. Saw a bunch of memes on Twitter. Like this guy is like he if this guy eats a sandwich, he can play tight end. Like he he got big. He's like big. He's like six four. And then he got fat. But Calvin Benjamin, um, he was traded to the Bills, and then he played for the Bills for a little bit, and then they released him. Then he was signed by the Chiefs, and Chiefs released him, and I think he's a, he's a free agent now. I mean, why not take a chance on him? I mean, he's a big receiver, and I feel like he's still good enough where he could play however many games are left. I think there's like five, six, five game, five to six games left if we miss playoffs. But, I mean, Calvin Benjamin could be a viable option. I really would think the Steelers wouldn't go after him because I don't think they're going to sign anyone but these are just me if I was Kevin Colbert what I would do in this situation but Calvin Benjamin I'm sure he'd be pretty cheap too the only issue I have is with Calvin Benjamin is I don't know if he's been working out this offseason if he's been gaining weight if he's been getting bigger if he's been getting bigger if you know what I mean but Calvin Benjamin I mean why not but uh, Michael Crabtree Bet you haven't heard that name in forever. Uh, Michael Crabtree, you know, played for the 49ers, played for uh, the Raiders. I think he played for the Fort, or not the Fort, the Ravens for a little bit. Signed with the Cardinals, got released. Um, he's old, though. He's like 32. That's pretty old for a wide receiver. But, I mean, I think he's still good enough to get through the last two months of the season. I really hope, I'm factoring in the fact that if we make playoffs, so two, about two months. I feel like Cal, or not Calvin Benjamin. I feel like Michael Crabtree could be a viable option. He'll probably be cheap because he's older. You can, you know, you'll have some cap space to work with. There's not a lot, but there's a little bit of cap space to work with. But Michael Michael Crabtree could be a viable option. Um, now these two, I've been seeing these two that I'm going to talk about. I, I've seen these a couple of times. We got Des Bryant. Um, I've even said it. I've tweeted at Des Bryant. I'm sure he didn't notice my irrelevant Twitter account. But, I mean, Des Bryant could be a viable option. Um, I don't know how he's doing. You know, physically. I don't know if he wants to come back. But if he, you know, if he wanted to come back for a little bit, I'd I'd want it to happen. <laughs> and this one, last but not least, everyone's favorite clown, A.B. A.B., his career is completely derailed. I mean, he was an all-star receiver. I mean, everyone loved A.B. in Pittsburgh. Like, dude, A.B., he's elite. Then he got CTE from Vontaze Perfect, who I can't stand, by the way. Got traded to the Raiders. With that third-round pick, we drafted Deontay Johnson, who is a lot better than I thought. I like the way he runs routes, shifty, he's fast. We drafted Deontay Johnson, who was intended to be Antonio Brown's replacement on the edge. Then he threw a temper tantrum. Didn't want to play for the Raiders. A bunch of other stuff happened. He froze his feet off. Didn't want to wear a helmet from like the 60s. Released, signed by the Patriots. Played one game with the Patriots. He was force-fed the ball. Then there was rape allegations and a bunch of other physical stuff. And He got released and his career has completely exploded in his face. But uh, one thing I noticed, um, he tweeted, this is for you, Mason after the whole Miles Garrett incident, and there was that uh, video of him trying to hurdle over a punter 
And he was kicking him in the face mask. And y'all remember that? I remember that. That was great. But he tweeted, this is for you, Mason. And he, he wants to make a comeback. I mean, he's like 30. He's still got a little bit left in the tank. He still takes great care of his body. Have him on Snapchat. He's always working out still. But I apologize. My computer just shut off. So if there's an awkward cut there, I am so sorry. But back to what I was saying. He still takes great care of his body. He's still got a little bit left in the tank. I mean, I feel like he kind of wants to come back to Pittsburgh. Come, come back home. I mean... I feel like if the Steelers were going to take a chance on him, I could see him wanting a lot of money to, you know, bring them to relevance again. But I could also see him taking it for cheap, kind of like a let me prove what I can do back with the Steelers with Mason Rudolph and then hopefully get, you know, leave and get another contract extension. I would be open to that. I would be. I feel like he would have to, he would have to be under serious control and, People would have to monitor him all the time because I don't want more drama. We just got rid of all the drama. Granted, more drama started, but we got rid of all the cancerous individuals, you know. But I don't want... That's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid if we bring him in, this will backfire. I'm not saying that we will bring him in, but if we were to bring him in, what would happen? You know? You know what I'm trying to say here? I just feel like if we were to go after AB, AB would come back home. But I also, I could see it backfiring. I could, it's a double-edged sword. Like, you take the chance on bringing him back. What if he explodes? Or what if more stuff come? you know, what if more stuff happens? What if there's more rape allegations? What if there's more harassment allegations, you know? Like, I don't want to bring that back. Because, we you know, with the exception of Big Ben, the offense is still pretty young. Like, Juju's like 23 I think Deontay's like 22, James Washington's like 23, Mason Rudolph's 24, James Conner, Benny Snell, Jalen Samuels, they're all young. Vance is like 28, 29, I don't know about Vic, uh, Nick Vanette, uh, Zach Gentry is a rookie. The offensive line, it's old. I mean, Big Al, I think he's the youngest of the group. Uh, no, that would be Matt Filer, right tackle. So I think it goes like Matt Filer, uh, Big Al, David DeCastro, Marquise Pouncey, and then... Uh, Ramon Foster. I think Ramon Foster's on his way out. He has not been playing very good. But he's also like 33, I think. He's not been playing too hot. None of the offensive line has been playing too hot, if I'm being honest with you, which is a shame because the offensive line over the past couple years has been phenomenal. I mean, we've been able to run the ball on almost everybody. But granted, we haven't had running backs to run the ball. But there's no excuse for that. I mean, Mason is getting hurried, and you can't... Like, Mason's still young. He's still in rookie form. You can't have him hurried. He, you know, when you have mediocre wide receivers like you do now, you can't only give him two seconds in the pocket to chuck a ball downfield and pray for pass interference. Like, you can't do that. Any quarterback would be terrible in that situation. So you just have to look at it as the offensive line is underperforming, and that's kind of like the base. Offensive line plays good, I feel like we have a couple more games swayed in our favor. Like, if the offensive line played good, I feel like we would have won, won the Browns game. I feel like we would have beat the Ravens. We would have been able to control the clock. I feel like we would have been more comfortably able to beat the Colts and the Rams. Offensive line gets better. We're looking at plus, like, you know, another win, plus two wins. Could have beat the 49ers, too, if we had a better offensive line. But it's in the past. Can't change that. Nothing's going to happen. 
nothing's going to happen. So looking forward, the offense just has to get better. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So I think we should bring in some new wide receivers. I don't think we should bring in another running back. I think we have four on the roster right now. we got James Conner, Jay Sam, Benny Schnell Jr., and uh, Trey Edmonds. Um, I don't know when Benny Snell will be returning, but I really hope it's soon. Because if James Conner can't stay healthy, we don't have a fullback, which is another reason the offensive line has been... Or not offense, the offense in general, offensive line, I'm so sorry. That's just part of the reason the offense has been god-awful and impossible to watch. So if you're looking at it, we get a fullback, that's going to help us run the ball more. Because fullbacks, believe it or not, are very important to offense. I mean, when you have a fullback, that's an extra blocker. So if you're looking at it, you got five offensive linemen. Well, six. We'll count Zach Banner. You got six offensive linemen, Vance McDonald, and then you got Mason Rudolph and James Conner. You had in Rosie Nix, that's like eight blockers for him. You know what I mean? Like, there's just a lot of blocking going on for bigger holes. Especially because Rosie Nix isn't a bad fullback. I mean, he didn't do so. He didn't do terrible last year. But a year ago, or two years ago, I should say, he was a pro bowler. Like, he was a good fullback. So when you look at it, we kind of need a fullback. And if I, he's on IR. He's not coming back. I don't think we're going to sign a fullback. I don't think anyone ever signs a fullback midseason. But if I'm the Steelers. I'm looking at it like there are six games left. We need to win. So let's bring in A.B. Let's bring in Des Bryant. Let's bring in Eli. Let's bring in a receiver who can make plays. I don't know how long Juju's out. I don't know how Deontay's out, how long they're going to be out for. So bring in a receiver... And then what I'm if I were Randy Feekner, who's making the offensive calls, I would bring up Sutton Smith. I don't know if you guys remember Sutton Smith. I was a big fan of Sutton Smith when he came out of college. I think he went to like I don't, Illinois, Northern Illinois. It, it's a Mac school. It's not a big school. But he was a defensive end, super super fast defensive end. I think he ran like a four six. He was pretty fast defensive end, but he's also like six feet tall. He's not. A huge defensive end, and Steelers signed him or drafted him. I should say they signed him to be a like a outside linebacker, middle linebacker type deal. He didn't play too hot. He was injured, didn't get a lot of playing time. They released him. They brought him back to the practice squad. They released him again. Then they recently just brought him back to the practice squad. But one thing during OTAs and minicamp, he played fullback. Like they had him at reps at fullback, and I don't know how his hands are, but when you're a defensive end, you're pretty physical. I know that. So if I'm looking at it like we got a fast defensive end who worked at fullback, why not bring him up? You know, bring him up. He's fast enough to keep up with some of these running backs that we have. Bring up Sutton Smith, put him at fullback, and then just keep rolling. Because there we can't drop another game. You know, like 11 and 5 is a good enough record to make the playoffs, and I think if you are 11 and 5 you'll probably make the playoffs 10 and 6 I've seen it happen where teams don't make the playoffs and then 9 and 7 very rare it can happen but I mean I don't that's only if you win the division I don't think we're going to win the division because we dropped the game to Baltimore we dropped the game to Cleveland so we have to win all these 
next games. We have to pull out everything we can with what we have. Trade deadline's over. We can't go trading for anyone. Bring up Sutton Smith, put him at fullback. Sign Eli Rogers. That's what my most reasonable, I think, would be Eli Rogers. He knows the system, so he'd be good to go. So sign Eli, put Sutton Smith at fullback. Hope that James Conner's okay. Hope that Benny Snell's going to be coming up soon. I don't know how he's doing, but I want to see him again. You know, bring up those guys and let them just play football. Defense is playing great. I mean, the defense is, I mean, in all actuality, the offense is playing complimentary football to the defense. You know, the defense is the one that are, that's exciting to watch. Like, I've never, I never thought I'd say that about the Steelers defense. Steelers defense is fun to watch. The offense is not. You know, Steelers defense is just exciting. There's interceptions and fumbles and sacks and, you know, pick sixes and defensive touchdowns. Offense is, let's go for a drive. Let's have a decent start to the drive. And let's stall out and punt or kick a field goal. Let's be in plus territory, you know, end the 20 and be conservative. Because that's Pittsburgh Steelers football. Am I right? No, I'm not right. But, so yeah, you got to pull out all these stops. These next couple games are very, very winnable. I mean, Bengals, I'm counting that as a dub. They go play Cleveland in Heinz Field after all those things happened. I'm counting that as a dub. Going Arizona's coming to Pittsburgh. Counting that as a dub. I think Buffalo comes to Pittsburgh. I'm going to count that as a dub. And then I think it's like the Jets and then the Ravens. Yeah. I mean, all the these last couple games are all winnable. I mean, we could drop one. One game, and I'd be comfortable. I mean, I wouldn't be comfortable as if we won the rest of these games. But if we dropped one game, I think the Steelers are still in good enough position to make the playoffs. It all depends on how the Colts are doing and the Raiders. I think those are, and then the Browns, I guess. But those are our two, those are the two threats we're looking at is the uh, the Raiders and the Colts. I mean, I'm, the Bills are dropping games. I mean, I don't know what's going on with the Bills. But the fight for that sixth seed which is what I'm aiming for, is, is the Colts, the Steelers, and uh, the Raiders. I guess you could count the Browns. I don't know how the Browns are going to be playing. If they're going to go hot or they're going to go cold. They just lost Miles Garrett. That's a huge blow because he had like 10.5 stacks, so that's a pretty big deal. So these next games, you know, we're going to have to win them all and pray that they lose because the Raiders aren't a bad football team. Like, I hope... The curse of hard knocks continues to, to be a thing. For those of you who don't know, curse of hard knocks. No team who's ever been on hard knocks has made the playoffs the following season. I hope that's I hope that's the case. I hope the Colts like I hope Jacoby Brissett's okay. Don't get me wrong, but I hope the Colts just lose so the Steelers can get in. You know, that's that's what I think. We can win these games. It's going to be on the defense. Offense is going to have to do some stuff. But, I mean, the schedule's winnable. Like, we're not going against the Texans and the Patriots and, you know, the Eagles and the Cowboys. Like, all these really good teams. We're going against lackluster teams who are all below 500, I think, with the exception of the Bills and the Ravens. I mean, the Bills, their offense is atrocious. Josh Allen hasn't gotten his groove yet. That's what I'm excited about. But what I'm worried about is the Bills' defense is pretty good and the offense is pretty terrible. So it's going to be a defensive showdown. 
about who can get to shorter field and who makes more mistakes and who can capitalize off those mistakes. So that's what we're working with. But nonetheless, I mean, we still have, there's still a lot of football to be played. There's still a lot of games to win. And I think the Steelers can win these football games. There's no there's no team where I look and I'm like, damn, we're not gonna win that game. Like, like there's no there's no like I can't see myself looking at these games and going, damn, we're gonna drop a game to the Cardinals or whatever. So it's all about winning. I know this first podcast has been all over the place. I'm just like I have notes, but I'm flying off the top of my head, I get carried away. It's probably how this podcast is gonna be for a duration until I kind of get it figured out. But there's, you know, that's that. So, a couple more topics to talk about. I'm going to do my take on the Miles Garrett situation. So, let me let me get some water. I'm going to start. I'm going to talk a lot for this. All right. So, Miles Garrett situation. So, I am done hearing about the situation after I talk about this. So, I turned the game off after that touchdown from the guy from Princeton on the Browns. I turned the game off. I'm like, okay, good game. I was really mad. My friends all text me like, the Steelers are trash, this, that, and the other. I was upset. So, I turned the game off. Like, five or six minutes later, my buddy calls me on Snapchat. Yeah, he called me on Snap. You heard that right. At this point, it's like 11.30 at night. So, I'm like, why are you calling me? Dude's a diehard Browns fan. So I answer, and he goes, are you watching the game? And I said, no, I'm not. And he goes, Miles Garrett just ripped off Mason Rudolph's helmet and beat him with it. And I said, I'm hanging up now to go watch. And by the time I turned the game on, there was a bunch of stuff going on. Like, it was just... So I was like, okay, so I don't think I'm going to get to watch this right now. So I went on Twitter, everyone's favorite local news source went on Twitter and my timeline I kid you not was just that so I watched the video and then here's my take on everything that happened so we're gonna start with how the play started it looked like it was like a weird screen I'm just gonna say it was a screen it was a screen Mason got the ball off at the last possible second Mason was frustrated you throw four picks and have you know, you throw four picks and a touchdown with like 220 yards, you're going to be frustrated. I'd be frustrated too. Miles Garrett was probably frustrated too. He only had, I think, like one or two tackles. He did not have a very efficient game tackling wise. I mean, he rushed the passer a bunch, but he did not, he wasn't having a terrific game either. So when you look at it, Mason was flustered, Miles was flustered. So we're going to start with the tackle. Ball was out of his hands. Granted, he did throw it out at the last possible second he could have without it being a sack. So he threw it out. Miles wrapped him up. Now, when you're looking at it, like, I just... I'm watching the clip on my phone as, as I'm recording this, but I just don't have... I just don't see what like made Mason want to do that because I'll admit I'll be the first to say Mason was in the wrong when you look at it he was brought down I guess you could say it was a late hit but he didn't like pick him up and slam him just kind of fell on him momentum happens I mean 
Matt Filer was looking for a flag. David DeCastro was like, okay, like let's get this rolling. Let's get out of here. I don't want to deal with this anymore. But when I'm looking at it, and Mason, at first, when I first saw it, I thought Mason's hand was stuck. I thought it was. But his hand wasn't stuck. I'll admit it. Like, I don't know why he did it. I get you're frustrated, but there's no need to try to take a grown man's helmet off. Because Mason isn't a small dude, but Miles Garrett is a very large man. And when you're looking at it, the way football works, if your helmet comes off, no matter what, you have to be out for the next play. So I I guess that's what Mason was trying to do, is take it someone else who was going to be out, but that didn't work. I don't know what Mason was thinking. But with how Maze or how Miles, my bad, how he retaliated was just insane. Like, Miles is a grown man. And he is a very professional athlete. Like, he is a very, like, he's very professional. I mean, there's, he's not really a dirty player. He's not Vanta. He's very professional. You know, from what I have seen and heard from people that I live around and that I talk to, Miles is a very professional guy. So I don't know what triggered Miles to do that. So after Mason tried to rip his helmet off, Miles ripped Mason's helmet off and succeeded. And then, like, there was, like, Matt Filer and David DeCastro tried to push him back from Mason. But Mason being Mason, I just, like, continued to go. And at that point, I'm like, why would you continue to charge at Miles Garrett? If I'm Mason Rudolph, I'm like, okay, he ripped my helmet off. There's going to be a flag. I'm not caught. Nothing bad has happened to me yet. At this point, that's just football. It's not going to end up on every form of social media all over the place. He just ran my helmet off. It happens. But Mason just starts charging at Miles Garrett. I mean, I don't know if Mason thought he could win that fight. Like, don't get me wrong. I like Mason Rudolph, but any logical man shouldn't do that because he's a Miles is a large human being. Like, he's big. Mason's big too, but Miles is bigger. And granted, he's got you know Dave and Matt protecting him, but I don't know why he'd do that. And then Miles just swings the helmet at Mason Rudolph, and at that point, I was very upset because one, what, in what world, is do you think it's okay for you to hit someone with a helmet? And like, it was just insane. Like, I, I'm grateful that, you know, like, the bottom part of the helmet didn't hit, like, that's the part that hit Mason. Because, I like, that's the softer part that's got, like, rubber on it. But if Miles would have hit him with the top of that helmet, it would have hurt. And it probably wouldn't have felt good, like, to the helmet. Like, the helmet might have cracked, and Mason might have cracked as well. Like, it was just not, just not good. Any, any circumstance, getting hit with a helmet by Miles Garrett is not a pleasant experience, I bet. So kudos to Mason for taking the hit and not getting a concussion or something. But that was ridiculous. And then Marquise Pouncey, who I really like Marquise Pouncey for what he, like he, he just loves his quarterbacks. Last year, or was it last year? Two years ago when we played the Panthers, Big Ben had a nice scramble, and then he slid. And Eric Reed 
hit him like when he was sliding and then Marquis Pouncey tried to break him like Marquis Pouncey tried to rip that man's head off so I'd imagine if that bothers Marquis Pouncey you accidentally hitting him while he's sliding I'm sure it was an accident like I don't think you know Eric Reed was trying to headhunt but still like if that's gonna bother Marquis Pouncey I think a grown man hitting Mason over the head with a helmet is gonna bother him so there was a brouhaha that happened, and then Marquise Pouncey started kicking him. I thought that was a very dumb idea because at that point, I'm like, I'm watching this replay. I'm like, okay, he's not going to get a fine. Then he kicks him, and I'm like, okay, there's a fine and a suspension. So that's, there, that's that. And then after all that, Mason Rudolph's standing there. like He's looking at the ref for a flag. And then Larry Ogunjobi... Just freaking runs up and hits him. Like, there was no need for that. Mason's standing there, wasn't even looking towards in his direction. He was looking at the ref, hoping for a flag, and they finally threw one. And then Larry Obanjobi, who's probably like 300-something pounds, runs up and hits Mason. It was just unnecessary. The whole incident was just completely insane. And I feel like that incident's going to be, like, people are going to refer to that incident for a very, very long time. Which is sad because it was the Steelers and I don't want to see that. But nonetheless, it's going to happen. And the suspensions and fines that were given out, I feel, are slightly unfair. I feel like Miles getting suspended indefinitely is fair. I feel like he should be out 16 games. So the rest of this season and then 10 games next season is what I think would be fair. I don't think he should be suspended forever like Martavis Bryant I feel like he should come back after 16 games full season not like all of next season after 10 games so there's 6 games left and then there's 10 games next year so Marquise Pouncey I think 3 games is alright I mean they're gonna keep that's gonna keep him out of the Browns game I feel like that's what they were looking at okay he's gonna miss the Browns game Larry Ogunjobi I don't necessarily think he should have been suspended. I mean, it was a cheap hit, but I feel like a hefty fine would have sufficed. I don't think he needed to be suspended. As for Mason, Mason only got off with a suspension. Or not, my bad. Mason didn't get off with a suspension. He only got off with a fine. I feel like Mason should be suspended for a game. Just because he started the entire incident. I'm not defending Miles Garrett. I don't like Miles Garrett. I'm a Steelers fan. But I feel like Mason should have a small suspension, a game... I wish, like, if they're going to suspend him, I don't think they're going to, but if they were going to suspend him a game, I would have felt comfortable rolling with Duck against the uh, the Bengals. By the way, I like Duck. Like, I like Duck. Do I think he's a capable starter? Not really. I like him, though. I like him as, like, a Landry Jones-type situation. You know, I hope we keep him around next year. So, like, this way, like, when Ben hangs it up in two years, like, he can be the backup to Mason. I like Duck. I don't see him as much more of... I don't see him much, like... I don't see him being, like, a full-time starter. I feel like an injured starter or, like, a blowout game or a resting game starter would suffice for Duck. I like Duck. He's a good guy. But with all that being out of the way and in the past, time to look forward. And I'm going to end off this podcast with uh, my thoughts on Mason Rudolph so far. And then we're going to end this. So Mason, my man Mason... I really liked Mason coming out of the draft. Like, you can ask around. Really liked Mason. I felt like 
he was a very good fit. He's a big dude. He can kind of extend the play, not really, but he hangs in the pocket. He's got a beautiful arm. I like Mason. I felt like he could be the next Big Ben. Big dude. He can move around a little bit. Like, I like Mason. When we drafted Mason, I was super, super excited. And then, like, Josh Dobbs and was it Landry Jones? Who was our other quarterback? There was there was quarterback room issues. Landry Jones was released. Josh Dobbs was the backup. I did not like Josh Dobbs. I did not. I, I'm not a fan of rushing quarterbacks in this offense. I'm not. I don't like like. I like Josh as a person. He's a nice guy. I'm sure. Super nice guy. Super smart. I think he's a rocket scientist. But I did not really like Josh Dobbs' fit in this offense because this offense is very. It's just not a passing or it's not a rushing quarterbacks offense. It's not built around that. And I didn't want it to be built around that. It's more traditional with pocket passers who can kind of run. I mean, Mason can't really run, but he can probably scramble once or twice a game for like 10, 20 yards. <laughs> but, you know, Mason didn't dress for any games his rookie year. And then comes he wins the starting job in the preseason the next year. Josh Dobbs gets traded away to the Jags for like a fifth-round pick. Then we traded that fifth-round pick to Seattle for Nick Vanette. Nonetheless. So Mason comes in. He's finally dressing. Terrible game against the Patriots. Mason has not played yet. Ben doesn't get hurt for very long periods of time. So when, you know, Ben got hurt in the Seattle game, I was thinking, okay, maybe a month. But, you know, a couple days later, he's done for the for the year. And then, like he said, he wants to come back, so it's good. But I feel like Mason just wasn't ready. Ben never gets hurt. Mason, you know, did not play at all his rookie year, had very little experience with the preseason games he's played. He had no experience in the in the NFL. I'll be straight up. Going at starting defenses, like preseason defenses are different. But Mason's going against now is being thrown into a situation where he has had no experience his rookie year whatsoever. And now he's being thrown into this situation where he's now the full-time starter. And that's just that. Like, you have to look at it like that. Like, Mason was not... I don't think he was ready. Like, he was ready, but I don't think he was, like, mentally ready. You know? And I feel for Mason. I like Mason a lot. I feel like he'll be our starting quarterback after Ben retires in two or three years. That's what I feel like what's going to happen. And I feel like Ben coming back is going to be good because Ben can mentor Mason more. You know, Mason can watch Ben more and see how Ben handles things. By then, Juju will be more established. James Washington and Deontay will be more established. We'll have hopefully a better offensive line, maybe some changes at running back, whatever. But I feel like Mason wasn't ready. He hasn't learned enough. But now he's learning. And he's a very, he's efficient. Like, he's not the, like, with the exception of this Browns game, he had not, he didn't have a game where he threw multiple interceptions. And a majority of his interceptions weren't his fault. Like, there were some that were his fault, but some of them were receivers didn't catch the ball or it was just a really ugly, like, tip from a receiver. So that's what you have to look at. But nonetheless, I feel like Mason's going to be the guy. You know, 
Ben's going to come back. I hope Ben plays well. And for the next couple of years, maybe lead us to a Super Bowl. I could see it happening. Then Mason's going to be back. And I like Mason. I feel like Mason is going to be the next Steelers quarterback. That's just my thoughts on it. I also, the only quarterback I'd want instead of Mason Rudolph is like Joe Burrow. But that's not going to happen. <laughs> because the Steelers aren't going to draft a quarterback this year. And if they do, it's going to be a late-round pick. And I don't even think they will whatsoever. But that's my thoughts. So uh, with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in to the first episode of the Pittsburgh Podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure. I know it's kind of all over the place, but I really would appreciate if you guys, you know, gave it a listen all the way through. If you guys made it this far, I appreciate you oh so much. Um, if you guys are interested in what my, you know, daily thoughts on the Steelers is and, you know, score reactions and game reactions and hot takes and all that, and you want more of this, go hit up my Twitter, at Hitsburg on Twitter. Give it a follow, you know. Show me, show me some love. I'll show you some love back. I'll hit you with the follow. But go check it out. You know, I tweet daily during games and stuff. I tweet daily and then I tweet more during games because there's action going on. But go give it a follow. Make sure you guys, you know, stay you know stay tuned for the next podcast. Uh, this is going to be up on hopefully every platform sooner rather than later. And, uh, yeah, I'll be coming at you guys next week, uh, probably on Monday, uh, with my reaction to the Bengals game. Uh, my predictions for the Browns game and you know uh, that sort of thing any new rumors or updates or anything like that so thank you guys for tuning in and I will catch you guys next time